Welcome to another issue of Kokoa Radio. It is me, your host. What was my name, Stephen? Said something about Dowager or (laughs) the Dowager of Krakoa. It's me, (laughs) the Dowager of Krakoa from Table Night, the Luscious, uh, in my Hoochie Daddy shorts, walking down Twitter. You're welcome. Jackson Henry being fabulous and amazing per usual with my fellow co-host Black Word. Hello, it's the magnificent one, Professor Yu. Um, you know, you for universe, you for university, you for your mother. Uh, he who sits at the dawn table where all claims culture and art reside, king of the quiet storm, the most powerful writer you will ever come across, and big daddy of success. Remember, fat phobia gets you killed. <laughs> and also, <laughs> our, our peacemaker, the the one who is love, who we missed last episode so much, the heart and soul of Krakoa Radio, the wind god, Vontae. What's up? The region is here. Table day. I missed you guys. I'm glad to be back. I'm going to have a good episode today. And this man needs no introduction. This man is delightful, delectable, tasty. Um, he is our mega top, and we welcome him with open arms and open legs. Um, Dr. Showtime? Y'all better spread them legs. Shit. Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome one, welcome all. This is your representative. I'm sorry. Table Dawn. And, uh, you know, continuing continuously being the winner's table uh, while we watch uh, Stephen eat his uh, burrito. He's clearly y'all almost ruined for the burrito. Y'all almost ruined each and every one of you are to blame for the turning of my appetite. Why the fuck did I walk back to that? <laughs> Showtime started that conversation. Showtime started that conversation. That is not on me. He did. He started it with a question. So. <laughs> I might as well say it and say it here. Bottoms, this is off topic to Krakoa Radio, but Bottoms, this is a service announcement. Please clean out properly for the dicks you are taking, okay? All right, because <clears throat> co-host of ours was picasso in lieu of someone not understanding that he has a large penis, and um, <laughs> they, did not, they did not respect his authority. And the thing is, like, you girls need to stop cleaning out halfway. If you feel a little pressure in your large intestines, daughter, you need to clean that thing all the way out. You should be cleaning that thing out start to finish. You never know. Because the nigga might want to go a couple of rounds if the coochie good. Or that nigga may not finish completely. May I call somebody else to finish off when he couldn't finish off. But you girls need to clean your coochie. Clean your coochie, okay? Don't be out here painting niggas, okay? And like, listen. That, that, ain't no, like, that ain't no slut-shaming shit. Like, that's how people get hepatitis A, hepatitis B. You girls have got to clean up. That is, that is bacteria. This ain't no slut-shaming shit. This is just, like, some real, like, adult life shit. Unless that person's into it. There are some scat queens on Twitter. There's black scat Twitter. They exist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, if, and if you have time, our uh, sponsor, Two Girl in One Cup, would like to thank you all. <laughs> 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 I don't know that I will be. Able to 
Why I have never watched that video just because someone already told me. I'm like, I do not like poop. There's two things I don't like. It's poop and feet. Keep those shits away from me. I will, I will say That's very intense to put feet with, with shit. Uh-huh. I don't like feet. I do not like feet touching me. I do not like how weirdly cold feet get. I don't like the smell of feet. I don't like feet. I don't like it, Sam I am. I do not like it. And the only thing on top of that list I do not like is poop. I have an aversion to bad smelling things, all right? If it smells bad, it will literally ruin my day. <laughs> if it yeah. smells off, That's I will bad. get violent. Like it's <laughs> Have any of y'all seen uh, one man, one jar before? No, we're done. Oh, so bitch, we're to, cha- Vante, Vante. So did you listen to last week's episode? Did you hear anything that happened? Because we lost our goddamn minds if you did not. <laughs> I have to go back and revisit that one. <laughs> Listen, listen, what the fuck was wrong with us last week? I don't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> that probably is the longest we took before we started actually reading. It was like 15 minutes and we were still going. <laughs> so we're not talking about one man, one job. We're not talking about it. No, I've, we're not. I've seen it. I've seen it. And that's not something that I... I'm sorry. Veto. 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 I'm also vetoing uh, that one. Thank you so much. We're vetoing this conversation because they, they're they doing it because we know we're eating. Me and Showtime are the only well, ones the, eating right now. <laughs> well, the only thing I'm going to say about that is the white gays crazy. Yeah, they are. The, the white gays mm-hmm. are insane. That's, that's, that's what I will say. Yeah, Anyone know like <laughs> the things that gets me to leave? Oh, I just got retweeted by someone named Omega Level Virgo, and for some reason, whenever I say oh. Omega Level and someone's that name, like, that sounds hellish. It is hellish. Like, Not as bad as Omega Level Sagittarius. Oh God! Look up a freak I want to meet. I want to meet Omega Level Omega Level Scorpio. No, I don't. That's a I challenge. Get, I, I don't want to get abused or hit on. You know, honestly, I thought like I I can't stand Scorpios socially. I only attract Scorpios. I they only attract they they, I'm sorry, I say on record the Scorpios don't deserve rights. They don't. That's the thing. <laughs> and yet it's attractive to me. I think it's because I run cold, and so naturally other hot personality types tend to do it for me. I don't know why. What's so, lacking in me so that cold, I attract that? So cold, like cold feet? Listen here, you vengeful bitch. <laughs> we had a good week, right? See, we had a good to, week. My toenails. Ow, get your shit off the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. So today we are reviewing. John I hate X-Men these bitches so much. <laughs> X Men number eleven, Marauders number two, and Free Comic Book Day, Eternals. What was the name of that shit? Avengers um, X Men. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the accident that is coming very soon. Um, Vante, would you like to take it away? Sure thing. So, Marauders number two, issue number two. So, we're going to just breeze through this real quick because not a whole lot happened in this issue. So, we get to Newark, uh, New Jersey, and you see um, Lockheed. And he comes up on these by uh, these these corpses of these. They look like some Attack on Titan shit. One That's second, I'm sorry. 
What did you call it? <laughs> what did I say? Newark. You said Newark. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I had to. I had to own the Jersey motherfucker up in here. I need to. I needed to call it out. <laughs> please, do, please do, because you know I'm, it's I'm, newer. I'm New, okay, because I'm country, so forgive me. <laughs> All right. Um, then we get from that to um, Chandler, the Shear Throne World, or whatever. And um, this Delphos character of the nobles of the Kin Crimson is um, talking with Zandra and um, mounting up an Amarta. An armada, uh, armada. I can't talk shit. For um, the marauders to um, take them out, so they don't discover the secrets of the um, the first blood. And Xandra's kind of caught between, you know, oh, you know, these are her friends, and then kind of like this is this is her her duty as um, as magistrix. Um, we get to um, the Shi'ar uh, Shi'ar space back on the spaceship. Um, the Marauders are facing off against um, uh, Eric the Red with this crazy-ass new look of his. But um, they have some some dialogue, and he has this weapon called the, um, the Hard Skin. Um, and he's basically conjuring up um, these uh, sort of like um, twisted versions of the Marauders to um, take them on and kick their asses so they get into a scuffle. Um, Kitty's sword fighting with um, Eric the Red and um, the rest of the Marauders. They're taking on their their duplicates. Um, so um, Bishop, he starts to absorb the energy of the hard skin and um, of <laughs> uh, the energy of the hard skin and he um Eric the Red is basically like lets him um let him choke on its power and he starts um feeding him the energy of the hard skin. So we get into um like the Crimson Chron- uh, Chronicles, the Ken Crimson Chronicles, and it just gives us a little um a little um description of what the hard skin is and basically it's a um light force that um can bend to um bend to um uh someone's will basically um and it came from Dabari three some planet so basically it was um just explaining what the weapon is and all that stuff so we get back to Chandelar. There's still um, Xandra and Gladiator are still talking and they're um, discussing, um, still discussing about the Amarta, the Amarta, oh my God. And um, basically, um, Gladiator just switches sides, basically, which is like somebody comes into power, best believe Gladiator's going to be on that side. So that's basically. Um, Basically, all we were getting there, and then we get another um, another data page um, between Delphos and uh, Mattel, um, basically just to honor the first blood, basically, and um, the, basically saying that the Marauders need to be stopped. They can't find out the truth. Um, so we go from that back to the spaceship. Um, um, Bishop is still absorbing the energy. Um, 
Kitty, um, excuse me, um, Eric the Red is choking out uh, Cassandra Nova, and Cassandra Nova has this weird king. She's like, you know what? You can add a little bit more pressure. You know, get, get up underneath my neck right there. That's how I like it. Um, that that sort of shit. <laughs> um, so Eric and Kitty have another uh, form of dialogue. Uh, basically, he's just talking about um, he's seen. Uh, he, basically, he's old as shit. Um, he's seen um, countless uh, species, all this shit. Um, let me see. Then they blow, I think he blows up um, part of the ship that they're on. And, um, you know, the atmosphere for space is sucking everybody out. Um, so, um, Psylocke and um, the tempo are kind of working together to kind of keep, to kind of give everybody like a personal environment so they're not being sucked out. And I guess um, uh, tempo, she's slowing down time to time on um, the air molecules or something to that effect. Um, eventually, they all get sucked into space and kind of struggling to get this box that um, Kitty has. And then um, Sominus pulls this move where he um, puts everybody in some sort of um, dreamscape to kind of give everybody um, time to get their um, get their themselves together and formulate a plan. They only have seven minutes, but he lets it know he lets it be known that in the dreamscape, like seven minutes, you know, in the real world, excuse me. Um, it could be seven days in the dreamscape, but it's still like, you know, time is slower in reality, however, however the hell he put it. Um, so they're trying to figure out a plan to kind of like escape space, uh, escape the vacuum of space, which has happened to them before. So, um, then we get to, um, Cassandra Nova and, um, Eric the Red kind of going back at it with each other and uh cassandra nova she's not she's basically not for his shit um she's looking for a fight she stay on go um so we get to we get back to the dreamscape and they're trying to figure out um what they can do to kind of like um kind of like escape the vacuum of space or whatever because they only have seven seconds and then we get to the um, end of the book, and they are, um, I guess they are being, um, I guess they're being pulled towards Xandra's ship, and um, that's where we end the book. So um, not really a lot happened this issue. Um, it was kind of like, it was very mid for me. Um, this issue, um, I kind of liked um, the first uh, Marauder series better, but that's just me. But um, yeah, any thoughts, concerns, anything? So, Somnus was hosting. Yeah, Somnus was hosting. He was um, very generous for bottom. Yeah, I just but... it just also cohesively because someone did it like a TikTok talking about Somnus. I did not know he was white. He's what? He's white. She... He's Italian, a Southern Italian. I thought he was brown. I thought he was Hispanic. 
Girl, they better retcon that. <laughs> I was looking at him. I thought I thought he was like a I thought he was black. No, he's just a twink. He's an Italian twink. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I was, I'm sitting here standing yet another white twink telepath. I'm sitting here having visions like, oh, maybe it's like an Omega version of an empath that he's doing truly. Maybe we can set something up. I, I was giving me Phoenix Force or something adjacent to a Phoenix Force coming in. You know, but not if he's a Caucasian. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah, if he's, yeah, if he's Caucasian, that's kind of going to be, that's that's really going to be, like, problematic because, like, he has features of a brown person. So, like, at least, like a, I guess they were like, trying to do, like, traditionally, like, yeah, this is what olive skin look like on an Italian person. It's just happens they use the same crayon they use the color storm with. Mm. That's intentional yeah. shade because I think we all saw that post today on yes. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I was like, girl. I almost changed our, our circuit party for today to fit that, but you know what? I didn't want to give it too much energy. Well what? what I did did enjoy about this issue though is that they are utilizing tempo to do things more than just be a Blanket time manipulator. They got you know, her she, get creative. You know, they're giving her Piper vibes. You know, she freezing shit left <laughs> and right. It's giving Piper from Charms. It's giving, oh my God, Showtime not feeling good. This nigga is drinking Bold Canada Dry. I just saw that. He is drinking Bold. That's the extra duty. You got to overdose on ginger ale. No, I actually like the taste of ginger ale. It, it yes. is quite aware that it is medicine so <laughs> but no i think i'm the only person here who really enjoyed this issue you know i'm a i'm a lore queen i love lore you start talking about shit that happened way back when i lean in i'm historian here i love that shit so the 10 chains <laughs> it gives green lantern vibes but like also we're gonna steal your powers and become human but of space Five. Yeah, but it sounds like an empire. It's like people hear the Shi'ar Empire, and like for some reason, people always go like, "Oh, they're like good aliens." They're like, "No, they're empire. They're imperialists. They do imperialist shit." Like, don't don't get it twisted just because they have fake Superman in charge of the team. Like, and I think this is more responsible. I think in terms of like discussing like what the Shi'ar Empire might be in the context of larger Earth, because. People tend to only think about shit like the recent memory of Marvel, but I'm like, of course they did shit on Earth. But how many times the Celestials then came to Earth and fucked around with it? Of course they came down here to see what the fuck they were doing, as interested as they are in all this shit. The red skin, the uh, hard skin, it seems dope to me. I don't think they utilized it to the best of what they probably could showcase it could do with these characters. Like what we just got, just making clones of everyone so you gotta fight yourself, but the stuff you're fighting is weaker. It's, it just wasn't hitting like it could. Yeah, I've seen I this really a thousand one times. I really want us to get away from utilizing the tragic mulatto uh, mutant because this is now the second tragic mulatto mutant in space who has zero loyalty to her mutant half. Because Zandra don't fuck with the mutants that are. It's giving Barack Obama. I think that's a little bit steep of a comparison. Yeah, it's giving Barack uh, Obama. She's sitting there 
It's a very specific memory. If she's sitting here saying, I have to be president of the Shi'ar and not the mutants. When I'm like, I don't think even like the, uh, you know, Gladiator and the rest of them ever do that. And the Gladiator and the rest of them are all like species literally picked up and popped down. It's like the very conditioning that she's going through is very surface level, but at the same time, it reeks of that same political entry, that same political mindscape of going. When you become a politician as a Black person, the idea is I can't just police or come in with my Blackness. In fact, I need to make movements in spite of my Blackness because everyone in the room is expecting me to be the person who votes in favor of, quote-unquote, the Black stuff. Um, and that's exactly how she's moving. Like, it's that exact political intrigue around her. Um, and so that's why I get annoyed when she's on the page because I'm like, I know exactly how this goes. It's not anything new. And I don't really do anything substantial with it. I don't even think this is the first time we really see it in terms of the X-Men mythos. Like, I want to say, like, when Dazzler got done in, she was doing that exact same thing. That's why Mystique, as awful as what she did, because I'm going to be real, what she, what Mystique did to Dazzler is up there as one of the situations where I'm like, yeah, she can't be forgiven for that. Um, as reprehensible as it is, Mystique's point of, like, you betrayed your community when you joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to become the quote-unquote mutant liaison, as if you were doing something big by going into literally people who have made Sentinels. I don't know. I'm not fucking with it. And she's okay. I will say that they are reusing that same situation that we said is interesting with Iska with Gladiator and the rest of them, when they're going like, oh, this is a genetic imperative. Whoever takes the crown, we have to serve them. Like, there's no if, ands, or buts. If you hold the crown genetically, we cannot go against it. And there's also a splinter military CIA situation going on that usurps whatever you say because the monarchy isn't absolute. I know where they got it from. It's, uh, they got from Spy Kids, too. Um, Island of Lost Dreams, aka the most perfect movie in existence. Um, <laughs> Henry, you weren't there. You don't understand the importance of Spy Kids as the greatest franchise in history. In fact, because the greatest. Because I was an adult when that came out. You, in fact, the greatest cinematic universe ever exists because the Spy Kids movies are in the same universe as Machete. I think the best cinematic universe is the two girl, one cup, one man. Fuck one you, you twat. <laughs> okay, so ignoring, actually muting Henry's mic. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I do enjoy a little hit to the fact that in many empires, many imperialist nations, the military does have more power than the actual um, executive and legislative branches. In fact, as a as a built-in feature to, like, their executive branch, the military, especially the private secret military, has more jurisdiction and power than the actual forward-facing leaders. It was very B613. I don't you like don't take command. Wrong. Command takes you. Exactly. Like, I take dick. I don't like the new Marauders either, friend. Yeah. I don't like it. I think this was costumes. Who? When did Kawana change costume between the last issue and this issue? She's in a whole new costume, and then there's one point in, in the in the in the art that she turned titty to ass. 
You can't draw women titty, turn titty to ass. That is improper and misogynistic and problematic. Why are you drawing women who are turned titty to ass? If if women are turning titty to ass, we should see. Um, his name's not Scott Hunter anymore. Why did this blink with his new name? Gray Crow. Great Crow. I'm sorry. I just really want Great Crow in this comic, I think. I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, you know who could fix this situation? Great Crow. Uh, you know, I should see Great Crow nearly naked. And I think Somnus is so brown because he is Sicilian, and usually Sicilians have been mingling with Africans. Yeah, more. So, that more bloodline goes brown. strong. So he's a, that, like, he's a black man. Why is she, why is she titty to ass like that? What the fuck? Why is her psychic dagger useless here? <laughs> yeah, like, why that, are you, I'm sorry. Why are you titty to ass like that? Why are you? Why did we need Somnus to pull them into the psychic plane when literally Kwame as a telepath could have done the exact same shit? Because no why, why else would we use Cassandra was busy, and why else would you have Somnus on the team if like somebody else could do the same shit? It's hashtag representation. That's why he's on the team. He's a diversity hire. I mean, he's not a real X Men. But he's a specialized telepath. But I also feel like they kind of needed to give him a reason to kind of showcase his abilities too, because like I I don't know, I don't think they really tried to play with the off the, the offensive capabilities of his powers yet. Yeah, I feel like he's going to be an Omega level passive, like one of those people who like might have a support power that could have other potential. I don't think I hope. Actually, I hope we don't see him do anything destructive with his ability. I really don't want to see a dream blast come out of his hands. I don't want to see. <laughs> At most, I want to see him pull shit out of his dream, like Freddy Krueger. Oh, so an advanced form of. Um... You good, Henry? Danny Moon, Danny Moonstar, and also, um, I'm ignoring him. Okay, so it, it's, it's even worse. It's even worse. Thomas is not uh, Italian. He's actually he's Canadian. Canadian. He's what? He's, he's Canadian. Canadian. I thought, like, so, I thought, so like, he's, ethnically, he's Italian. So he's Drake, but a little darker. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, why is on ten today? <laughs> He's Drake with a tan. Interesting. It's so powerful. See, I think literally what's happened. I have a theory now. When his mutation kicked in, like I said, I I feel like he's going to advance. So we can pull things out of his dream in his mind. You know, how like those white gays say, "My inner, my spirit animal, my ins, I'm my inner world on the inside. I'm a black woman." Um, Somnus said that no. once, and no. his ex gene manifested no. that into reality. This is a psychic construct you're seeing. He is projecting darker skin and um, Tamar Brax- a Tamar Braxton haircut um, onto himself. And even like Somnus existing, like it's so dumb and messy. Like it's fucked like, up because it makes everything in that um, Marvel Voices comic. Canon, which means Marvel Voices probably canon that Prodigy's a Snow Queen. Um, <laughs> it's now canon that he's a Snow Queen. It cannot be undone. Everything in the comics is canon. How unfortunate. What a waste of opportunity. Sorry to this man. 
Sorry to this man. No, it would be great I in this comic. This Prodigy. Prodigy would be an excellent addition to this comic. I think the issue with this comic, I, fundamentally for me, is that I do enjoy Star Trek. I watched Star Trek Discovery. I marathoned it in a week, and I fell in love. I like the idea of how they run, like, their action scenes, where it's just, like, you see them just in, like, a, in a booth, and, like, everyone's just running different things on the ship, and they had to do everything together coordinatedly in order to overcome another ship. It's not a situation where our Omega Level Mutant is going to pop up and blow up the ship for them. It's never going to be that. Everyone needs to do their damn job or else your ship gets blown up and you die in the back of the space. This comic does not feel like that. And I think that's the major issue going for it is that they don't understand like space is big, bad, and dangerous and all you need to be on your ship. Like I enjoyed that the ship in itself is flying things to a mutant circuit. They did not execute this properly. They let that nigga onto the ship and like if two of these people get knocked out, you're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're an absolutely rely, need to rely upon each other's powers in order to get anything done. Team, like there's no one person on that team. Maybe Cassandra Nova, who can like solo any of the enemies they come across by themselves, or solve their problems. As She's a, a more ethical off. Charles Xavier. That's why I like her. <laughs> about what and what you're i think you're underestimating how um actually i think you're overestimating how ethical she is she's unethical as fuck you know something about female villains being a bitch is just iconic especially if they're telepaths you know it's it's giving like if i had to choose a maiden mother and crone i'm like the crone would be Celine. <laughs> the crone would be Celine. The mother would be Cassandra. And who's a good young telepath? Who's bouncy and fun? Maybe an Esme. Um, no, would it work? I think you can have all five steppers as the maiden. Yep. They're, they're all the same anyway. You can't possibly tell them apart. You know, they just change the dress. They take one off, you know, one puts it on. Um, but anywho, do y'all read all the Ten Shames and find out, like, what everything they said they did is? Because some of it is really fucked up. Some of it is, like, they're directly pulling from, like, Black history and, like, this is a thing that actually happened. CIA did that. Like, some of these, just by name, the gelding of Burge. Which, to our friends, if you don't know what a gelding is, is when you basically, um, actually, doctor, would you like to explain it? I don't want to step in your your purview, what a gelding is. Gelding or gilding? I might be pronouncing it wrong. Is it G-I-L-D? G-E-L-D-I-N-G. Oh, child. I have no idea. Isn't that? I read it as as gelding. I'm sorry, as gilding. Oh, no, a gelding is typically like when you um, basically chop off the balls and make sure that it's castrated and can't procreate. Ooh, so they neutered them. Yeah, yeah. And there's a wiki page about what happened to Burge here. And I guess that's one of the situations that actually canonically happened, or at least they got some shit from it. The theft of the hard skin was already fucked up. 
What do y'all think is the thing that happened? The first blood. To the mutants. Yeah, like the first blood spilled. I think they're the ones or something like that. I think they're the ones that split. This is me just tying it into um, um, the Krakoan era. That They're the ones that that ended up uh, splitting Akara into into Krakoa and Arako um, as a result of them leading in the, the was it the Amenthi Daemons? They did something where it caused the split of a car to, to happen. I would say I agree, but this predates even that, like in, like by several hundred thousand years. Like, oh, and someone tweeted, I think it was you, Henry, who tweeted out, like, someone had like a, an issue, like, they couldn't reconceptualize the time span of mutant history. And like, there's like a, a full, like ninety thousand years before um, Krakoa Akora split of mutant history, and like most of that is Selene. But even Selene is not as old as this moment in mutant history. She might have like the earliest recollections. In fact, I'm really surprised no one walked up to her and asked her. I think that's the glaring plot hole in this. I feel like it's the most. You can't talk about the first mutants without talking about well, the oldest living mutant, really, to me. Because I feel be like fair. Um, Celine is busy on Krakoa creating giant kaiju like her name is Wanda. Like a fucking boss, yeah. <laughs> she got shit to do. She's She said she's going to do it. I'm not sure what they thought was going to happen. It's, in there, it's penciled she, into her schedule. Some of the giant fucking monster. <laughs> y'all, y'all thought y'all were replacing Apocalypse with Destiny. Huh. You thought you don't have a magic person on this council. I can replace Apocalypse. And then they said, well, we'll take hope instead. My pussy juices have more magic than what's on this council. (laughs) And then Charles with his punk ass talking about... She said, I've aborted... Celine said, I aborted more babies with more magic on this council. Sweetie, don't play with me. (laughs) These titties aren't perky by surgery. Colossus for hope. And let Hope sit over on the heroes table and let Celine be at, at the head table with the big girls. I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to rotate once everyone finds out about Colossus. He's going to get kicked out. I, I don't think he's going to get kicked off the island, but I think they're going to like, yeah, you're in like partial excursion. Like you can't participate in anything. In fact, I feel like they have a thing built in. I think there should be a thing like that where it's like a shame where like we, no one on the island addresses you. I feel like that should be a thing before we throw you into a hole. I feel like that's a lot crueler and also much more effective in terms of you did something horrible, but we technically shouldn't throw you into a hole over it. I do think that no one should ever speak to you. In fact, I'm going to telepathically remove the presence of you from everyone. So turn him into Forget-Me-Not. Yeah. In fact, the only person who will probably know who you are is Forget-Me-Not. He's going to be your PO. At least he'll have a friend. Best buddies. (laughs) One. I think Somnus could conceive Forget Me Not. I think perhaps it would be good if one of Somnus' abilities is that he can't forget. Maybe two. I'm just giving him a lot of extra things. Just to, he has that power is not very fleshed out. I don't know what you really do with it. It does give me Freddy Krueger vibes. Um, I think they're, they're going to do an Elseworlds situation where they show us where Somnus could probably have gone. I think 
it's a good, it's an interesting power. Um, but to me, the first blood spill has to do with the 10,000 BC situation of like the 10,000 BC uh, oh. Avengers. Because I remember this, I read that story, what happened with Phoenix Force. Ancient Jean Grey. Yeah, Doris Mutant Mama, but the ancient Jean Grey, basically. I call her, I'm going to call her the first Grey. That's her code name right now, the first Grey. The first Grey had a situation where she met the first generation of mutants. They had their own little community and a right. fake-ass Charles Xavier. Oh, Something right. happened. Yeah, when the Neanderthals came in, it was like, we might fight and we might not. And, like, first Charles Xavier said peace, and, like, they considered it. But then, like, the first Grey had a psychic resonance of some sort. Something happened, and she lashed out telepathically. And it triggered them into a reaction, the attack. And it caused the biological fear that humans have of mutants and of other people. Not just mutants, but anyone who's different. Because it's the first situation where it happened in human history. Where someone oh, different... And there's a, a tie to the Shi'ar and the Phoenix's history throughout the universe. Yeah. So oh, what I think happened... Okay. I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. is that they wanted this to tap into the Phoenix. They identified someone who could tap into it. And they did something in that moment that caused the turmoil that mutants suffered from for the entirety of their time and their history. Not just on that planet, but damn near anyone who has ever come to Earth. I think, and that's why she's like looking at it and is deeply disturbed by what happened because basically she's impacted by that situation too. And she knows like even if the X-Men don't do anything about it, because they probably wouldn't, they'll just pout and Charles Xavier goes, we have to forgive. There are mutants on that island who will feel very partial to the Shi'ar being responsible for that shit. It's like whoever is the first one to point those Dutch motherfuckers towards the continent of Africa, of West Africa, and told them how to get there and told them, like, hey, they don't have um, certain textiles or they're not, they don't have X, Y, and Z. That motherfucker is going down to the pits of hell. If anyone finds out who that motherfucker was, they're dead. Again, twice over. Cursing their spirit straight down to hell. If they're not already there. Um, but that's my theory. It might not be feasible. It might not. Um, we're going to put my abilities to the test. I feel like I'm in a ballpark. I feel like there's not much else that they can really pull out their ass for why that is so, why that is so specifically big. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else for Marauders? I think Bishop is going to use the heart light to expand his powers that he absorbed, the heart skin that he absorbed. I think it's going to trigger an evolution, and I hope it does. That would be cool. That sounds wonderful for him. You don't want to see John Stewart esque um, Bishop. Yes, because I'm tired of his powers being reliant upon others. Thank you so much. I agree. I do agree. I think he should suckle on that hard skin. And then, oh, then the Black Mutant would have the hard skin as an ability. Um, I feel like I feel like um, Baby Daddy will look so great. Method Man will look so great um, using the hard skin. But that's all I got. Yeah. All right. On to Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird. All right. Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird opens with our lovely John Proustar being resurrected at Krakoa's Arbor Magna with the Five and Hope Summers. And he's like, I have a lot to catch up on. Next we see John is traveling with a fresh new haircut. 
out in Arizona heading to his original, uh, I was about to say plantation, um, <laughs> reservation to visit his family and his grandmother, Lozen uh, Proudstar. He's walking through the town, making his way, he's having this very uh, existential conversation in his head in regards to, like, Krakoa, his own death, reservations, people taking land, all these other things. And he finally arrives to his reservation, and he runs into a bunch of little kids sitting outside. He's asking, where's Lozen Proudstar? She is my grandmother. And they're like, yo, son, like, you were dead. Like, what are you doing? Well, I'm not dead now, so where are they? So well, apparently all the mutants were all gathered up and captured, and they are selling them off. Uh, they bought the land, they buy the DNA, selling them off. We reached to a data page where we have uh, Jumbo Carnation and a, well, John Proudstar, Thunderbirds, writing letters to Jumbo Carnation about his costume and specifically about what he wants and how he wants it to look, making sure that is explicitly noted that uh, Turquoise, and red and black and yellow are in this costume and the importance of it. And of course, you know, House of Carnation lays it out. It's everything. Um, John is now in costume um, and he's making his way to the police station where his family and his people from his uh, reservation are being um, held. He is talking to the cops and it's like, you know, they tell him like, oh, stop. The man's like, I ain't stopping. I come to get my family. So you go in there and start fucking people up left and right, whipping ass, Kicking, kicking everybody's ass, and then eventually this this organization that is called the Heritage Initiative, who is also working with Orcus, is making their way there also. But the guy who is running this is someone who has a history with John Thunderbird, and we are finally at another data page where it is talking about encryption level rel. Uh, re, 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 why can't I say this revelatory? Um, it is involving someone named Martinic who is the friend of, the former friend of John Proudstar. And um, talking about the Heritage Initiative and what they are planning to do with Orcus, the X-Genes, and, you know, some trifling, uh, mutophobic bullshit. Um, Thunderbird is fighting and beating ass. He basically catches a fucking car. Mark Nick shows up to... Um, stop him, but he has now rescued his family. His grandmother got them all out the car. Martin's like, you know what? I took some shit. I'm gonna turn into a, a pink werewolf. Like, a hairless werewolf with white people skin. And it looks very unappetizing on this. It probably looks even worse in person. I can imagine this from, like, Underworld. It just looks really disgusting. I don't want to see this in real life. They're fighting, they're going back and forth, and Thunderbird's having flashbacks of when he died and Xavier trying to stop him from, like, you know, killing himself. And he goes back to the fight with Martinic, and he's just, like, whipping his ass, and he's about to kill this man. And the grandmother's like, bro, just, like, just don't do it. It's just not worth it. Like, my man's just trash. He's always going to be trash. And killing him is like, you need that kind of blood in your hands. You also really shouldn't kill him either because of Krakoa laws and shit. You, you know, you you just got out. You just got out the motherfucking egg, baby. Don't go back to the pit. Um, and then they give up. They decide to leave. Mark Nick is like yelling all kinds of BS at him. Grandma walks up and like kicks old boy in the face. Is like, yo, hush all that noise. You're doing too much. Let's get the fuck up out of here. 
get back to the crib, sit a little, have a little conversation. I ain't seen, seen my baby in so long. We have a little conversation. So now they're sitting on top of her trailer park talking, and Thunderbird has planted a cocoa flower for mutant entry. Warpath makes his way through the the Krakoa gate, and this is actually his first time meeting his grandmother, and they are bonding and connecting and having a good time, and, you know, she's hugging them, they're looking at photos, and like, you know what, we need to make new memories, let's take a new photo together, so they update the photo with all three of them, they continue to drink beers and talk shit, and at the end, you see Thunderbird running through the prairie with two buffaloes, and the buffaloes have an extinction problem right now, and I find this really weird. Uh, but yeah, thoughts, concerns, accusations. Those are bison, by the way. Um, buffalo, buffalo, yeah, bison, uh, bison, whatever. They're two different things. Um, buffalo are in Africa and bison are in the Americas. Also, um, one has a very deep spiritual meaning. They both have deep spiritual meaning to the indigenous peoples of the continent. So, if, if, if I, I meant to the book Showtime, don't up actually me. So, if, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm a bottom in America, am I fleeting? Or if I'm a bottom in Britain, I'm using a ball war. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so over you. I. I really don't like this, the art on this book. It feels very cartoony and childish to me. I didn't take this, I didn't take this story very seriously because of that. It was definitely giving. Not the newspaper. You know, if this was a cartoon or something, this would be the episode, the standalone episode for uh, definitely like that one standalone episode that never gets referenced in any other thing. Like, it never happened. Like, if you see Young Justice, whenever they do an episode with Connor, he just goes off and does some shit. And you're just like, this is the episode they could have kept. Like, he was with the... the uh, I think it was, like, what was it, the Forever People? Is that what they call themselves? The ones that form together, come together and form a fucking fusion? That yes. episode that they could have kept? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I- it's like so they're trying to sell toys. Like I, I get it. You're trying to like reintroduce John Proudstar as Thunderbird after being out of the comics literally since like the second issue he appeared in. The only um, X Men to stay dead ever. Right. Like I get it that like you have to recontextualize him as a character because don't nobody remember who the fuck he is for real, for real. And if um, we remember for being in a dumb decision. A, a, a truly stupid Impulse. decision. Impulsive as hell. But like, I really just wish this was like a more interesting story. It yeah. doesn't make me want to read anything more about him. Whereas his appearance in X-Men Red number one, I was like, oh, bitch, this thing about to be it with the shits. And I enjoyed that. But this story just felt like, to y- y'all's point, y'all can keep it. Yeah, maybe like Showtime was saying, maybe the story would have been a little bit more uh, tolerable if the art didn't look like something from Schoolhouse Rock. Not yeah. Schoolhouse Rock, but is that what that show? You know, that Schoolhouse or School something? Y'all know that show? I'm yeah, I know. About. I know what show you're talking about. I don't remember the name either. Yeah, I don't know if it's Schoolhouse Rock or I. I, I think that's that movie with Jack Black. <laughs> no, you're, I'm, you're, I'm, it's I'm, Schoolhouse. I'm, I'm drunk. I'm drunk. 
You're just a bill. Right. Yeah, you're only a bill. Right. <laughs> I had that Arashi liquor, so forgive me. <laughs> Perfectly aged by the bad bitch. Um, tempo. Period. Mm-hmm. I don't aging, know. I think individual molecules. I I think I do want more giant size books. I think if anyone they should do it with is these characters whose storylines do get thrown away. I just think it should be more better. Like, this is the second attempt I want to say um, to tell a culturally significant episode where you like have the intersections of a mutant play out like this. Because in truth, I, I do want to say Thunderbird in the Marvel Universe, he has to be one of the first Native heroes to be depicted in like a non... Yeah, I think he might be. I'm like he's thinking the, back. He's the first superhero. The the first Native person in Marvel Comics was Wyatt Wingfoot with the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. He was just a oh, yeah. regular human being. Yeah. The second about Native him. person that showed up was Thunderbolt. Thunderbird, sorry. John Proudstar. Because I was like, is it Shaman? But I was like, no, Shaman came literally after. after. Because he was depicted in, um, like, he literally, I think they literally had him fight Storm. He fought Storm in his first appearance, I want to say. I thought that was a little racially charged. But he was supposed (laughs) to be the Storm equivalent on Alpha Flight. You say something dumb. Art, but <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like you just look at it and you just go, "What? What did they made honest? It, it was an attempt made in earnest. It was an attempt made in earnest, and that's what you gotta keep going. Even when you're reading this, you remember what the fuck they did to him. It's like it was an attempt made in earnest because <laughs> it's like it's it just keeps reminding you that the giant size X Men team is literally only remembered for Storm, Wolverine. And Nightcrawler and maybe Colossus. And Colossus is recently. Niggas did not like Colossus before 2000. And niggas barely remember Sunfire on the team because that nigga also quit the team within like his first two issues. And also Banshee. <laughs> That's how it goes. And also Banshee was there allegedly. Um, and then you just forget everything else. I think I've asked people directly, like, name all the members of the Giant Size X-Men, and they always leave off Banshee. They always leave off Banshee because it's so know. easy to forget. But you know, so I don't know. It's a, like, I think the opposite, because how can you not think of Banshee? Quite easily. Because he was really Storm, Nightcrawler, Sunfire, Thunderbird, Colossus, and Wolverine. It was, and because, that was the seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was okay. like you had to think about it because I'm like he was like the first Irish mutant, and then he was also the like one I think one of the first mutants that kind of like that we've seen um, that displayed like uh, like sonic like vocal abilities or some shit. What did Banshee do in that comic? Uh, exactly. <laughs> so that's why people forget he was the jubilee of his times. So you forget he was there. Okay. <laughs> he's he's older you than know, the rest of them too. Yeah, and so he just never fit in. So it's so easy to forget. Because I was sitting there thinking, I was like, oh yeah, like this team was also the team that featured like actual flying mutants, and like Storm became. It was like, like oh yeah, who was like these angel animal on the team? So you go Storm, yeah, Storm was it. You're like, wait a minute, no, she wasn't. <laughs> the, the angel animal was fucking Banshee, 
and that's it. Like he was the angel analog. Everyone else has got powers to fly by proxy. And then you go, you look at Sunfire and Storm sitting across each other in fucking um, X-Men, and you go, oh, how cute. The Flyers are hanging out. Of course, they have a special relationship as the only Flyers really on the team that survived. And you go, oh, fuck, yeah, Banshee. No one cares about Banshee. I feel like it's fair to say if you like Banshee, you like his daughter. I, I think I would acknowledge. I think I would acknowledge Siren before I acknowledge Banshee. Exactly, and I would have to agree with that. I always because do. I just, I just feel like her, her powers is what her powers are a lot more mature than Banshee's. What she's doing is what Banshee should have been doing. Is what he's incapable just, of doing. No, some mutants are born to birth their successors, and he's one of them. You know, I wouldn't ever say that about Magneto, because you see Magneto, you see Polaris, and you know, like, sweetie, you do such terrific things. You have so much going for you. You don't have to fill your father's shoes. Those shoes aren't for you. Yeah. And then you look at Teresa, and you go, your father could never. Your father literally actually could never. Your dad is an alcoholic because he can't. What was that? <laughs> so yeah, that was that's my what... front door buzzer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I just typically oh we got thickness again. Um, yeah, I just I just I don't hate it. Like this is a story written like they literally hire. I think he he uh, he is a wrestler for the WWE. Um, yeah, the the writer for the Thunderbird. He's a First Fire Nations. Fire. Yeah, he's a First yeah. Nations member. So like, it was it kind of definitely did read like this is someone's first foray into writing a comic book. And so like I, you take it and you read it with a grain of salt, and you go like, oh, this feels like a really once very much a one off situation. It's just like behind the scenes, like what does uh, Orcus also do? Of course, it's racist. They feel racist um, oppression of Native peoples. Uh, indigenous peoples in their territory and hunt down mutants within an already like marginalized community. You can you can't tell me that they're not in Harlem or in Baltimore somewhere hunting down black mutants and throwing them into detention centers or executing them and like pilfering their X gene shit. I 110% believe there are Orcas members in the clan. We're gonna get giant sized prodigy. Not written by Leah Williams, where they will touch on the situations that happen in X Factor, but then now he's also going to save young mutants uh, who are being targeted through predatory social programming. I think I will be here for that that issue. And I want it to be that written be in the style of a black exploitation film. It'll be Marvel Presents Giant Size X Men. Prodigy. Truck kind of for mutants. Yeah. <laughs> I want Prodigy to have a catchphrase. I want him oh. to go be saving hoes. I want him to have, like, you know, I want him to get full 1970s bisexual energy, just the shirt halfway down. I want him to grow his hair out into an afro. Oh, no, not apple afro, a mini fro, you know, to capture the aesthetic. I don't want, I don't want speed to be in it at all. In fact, I wanted to dump him by text. Don't let me write that book. <laughs> oh, think fast, think it's gonna be pissed. I'm gonna get so many messages in my DMs. 
Underwood is terrible. He ended Think Fast. I'm going to say suck my dick to each and every one of them. It's going to be so much fun. Your pain's going to give me life. That's my secondary mutation. I can grow stronger the more hate you throw in my direction. I feed off that shit. Ooh. I am called... I like that. Is, is Odin's dad named... Odin's dad is Bor, Borson. Odin, Odin is Bor, Odin Borson. Cole Borson is his son. I've been watching a lot of um, Thor videos on uh, on YouTube, and I just got done recapping both the God Butcher saga and the War of the Realms, and Cole's whole situation during the um, during the Fear Itself arc, where they introduced Cole uh, Borson. His power is that God of Fear. He can feel people's fears, and he makes them stronger. But yeah, so any other observations about this book? It wasn't really. I think I think I would have him come back, but I think I will wait for this writer to go through like maybe write his own mini series or something, like his own indie series, so he can get like these beginner kinks out and then like come back. Because I do think it's important, like how they broke down the costume. I really feel like he did invent the costume because he's a wrestler. And that's the thing I I never really noticed about um, Thunderbird's costume is that it's a wrestler's costume. Yeah. Um, and so they were doing a lot. It, was, it seemed to be a lot of inspiration from him uh, projected onto the character. Especially I like the part where they did say like he has no white in his costume because he does not feel like he's earned it. Um, which shows some level of accountability for like what happened and why, how he died. I didn't like that part about X-Men Red where he literally refused to look at how his actions led to his death and also how his actions definitely led to his people being unprotected. And I do appreciate this comic, if not for, like, decentering Xavier from all of it, because I agree, bash that nigga, like, to the deepest, but, like, also realize your... how you reacted to him and how you reacted to everything helped no one and got you killed made your brother vulnerable, made your community of mutants vulnerable, and you weren't there to do anything to protect them, either as a mutant or as a member of the First Nations. Yeah, because it was like he he was blaming everybody, especially Cyclops. It was, more, it was more so like he was putting it on Cyclops more than anything. The reason why he kind of like jumped on a plane and, you know, which resulted in his death. So, I don't know. He just... It's just... Taking accountability for your own actions. Did anybody tell you to jump on that plane? <laughs> Ain't no more time to jump on that plane. Ain't no one telling him. Okay, What's so necessary? I think. Imagine being a Superman analog. Imagine having flying brick powers and you're not, you can't survive an explosion. <laughs> Sounds sad to me. That's also the thing. They made such efforts to showcase how he's not stronger than his brother just to justify why his brother exists. That I'm not sure how they can have him here when we all know he's just weaker than his brother. Fundamentally, they need to do something else. I think they expand his powers something, a bit more because something, child. give him a post uh, post resurrection advancement of his abilities because that needs to yes, be done. Yes, I'm doing X Men number eleven. But Showtime, are you ready? All right, let me get back to the beginning of the book. Yep. Everyone, open your Bibles. Um, so, X Men um, Eleven. One, we're going to the be digits, reviewing 
um, that are the finest fishes we've ever seen ever. Went to Game World. All right. So the book opens to Mojo on Mojo World, um, saying that he is uh, setting up his own streaming platform called Mojo World Plus. Sounds mighty familiar for all of the streaming services that exist these days. Everybody has a plus. Um, so he is uh, complaining about or making a statement about his uh, launch of Game World, which is going to be an extension of Mojo World, um, and that one of his minions comes in and says um, that there's a lawyer there uh, to discuss the importance of the future of Mojo World with gaming, um, and that uh, Cordyceps Jones, is if that's how you say it, um, has taken over uh, the game world. Um, and he just states that it's a fungal infection, but we know that it's Cordyceps Jones. Um, and then uh, Mojo gets super fucking pissed and says that if nobody can have um, game world, if he can't have game world, then nobody can. Um, and then uh, we pan over to Polaris, Jean, Rogue, and Laura Kinney, our Wolverine, uh, arriving on Game World in their Hellfire Gala costumes, coming in as a bad bitch foursome. Uh, and so they uh, were sent to take care of the mission on Game World to see why aliens are being sent uh, to attack Earth. Um, they are. They come there and they essentially uh, put their proverbial uh, ovaries on the table and say, "We have Mysterium, a large portion of it, so we're rich as fuck. Give us access." Um, and they are immediately granted like big, big money uh, access to Game World. Um, Laura Kinney pans off on her own to um, scout out. Uh, the security team and their, the security of Game World, uh, while the other three uh, go around the um, the casino uh, to explore a bit. Uh, we pan back over to uh, Gambit's um, like gambling den in the in the treehouse that he has, where uh, Rocket Raccoon, uh, who sent them on this mission, um, is sitting there talking to. Uh, Gambit, and he says that people uh, gamble on the existence of their pl of other people's planets on Game World, and that's essentially what they're doing, that corporations um, fund uh, the extinction of planets or, like, the Mojo World, Game World stuff uh, that's going on, that, uh, <clears throat> that the uh, Game World has side dampeners that aren't quite strong enough to do anything to Gene, um, but that's not the important part. They have alarms so that if you do use telepathy, um, they will essentially sniff them, sniff them out and snitch on you. Uh, it's their way of preventing uh, the use of, tele of telepathy on Game World. Um, it is uh, capitalism's final form is how Gene describes Game World, which seems very apt. Um, the women all split off and do their own thing. Laura finds a bomb-ass dress to replace the dress that she was wearing um, because she don't like her dress no more. She needed a cute dress. Um, 
I have loved this season of uh, Lorna being a um, a valley girl, essentially. Um, then we pan back over to uh, the treehouse where Tony Stark and Carol Danvers, who are just awful, um, are there while Sunfire is on guard duty, um, asking him uh, why he didn't blast off into space and why he has been left on planet um and carol and tony are trying to discern uh what uh, what mission um everybody was sent on uh we pan over to uh sink and captain krakoa aka cyclops uh in the basis in the i'm sorry in the sewers trying to track down dr stasis um while uh sunfire is off lying to the avengers um so they these two uh, Cyclops and Sink are on this mission um, because they were the ones responsible. I'm sorry. Dr. Stasis was the one responsible for killing Cyclops, causing him to have to be um, Captain Krakoa. And Sink is the one who wiped the memory of, was it Henry Gyrick? Is that who it was? Yurik, um, Ben Yurik that was um, the reporter. Uh, so they're now uh, co-leads of uh, the team. And so Sink, um, in the midst of this, also, you know, casually admits that he still has a uh, sink. He can still sink to Gene, who is on Game World. He's on Earth. Uh, and also that he has synced to uh, Wolverine, Laura Kinney, at the same time. So we're now seeing that our favorite new Omega is actually an Omega. Um, we go back over to Game World. Uh, Laura Kinney is going, um, is doing that up in the ceiling thing that every ninja and every spy ever, always does, um, but ends up getting caught by security. Uh, and in the midst of doing so, uh, realizes that Cordyceps Jones is actually infected uh, all of the security members, that he is a fungal infection that sort of is the space version of Sublime. We'll get back to that. Don't worry about who Sublime is. Just it's a comparison I'm making. Um, and that he has taken over uh, the security guards. He then essentially gasses uh, Laura with um, his spores and infects her with uh, with his fungal infection. Which I'm going to put a pause here and say. He tried the same thing with Deadpool, and it didn't work because of his healing factor, and the Wolverines have stronger healing factors than Deadpool does. Okay, we'll get back to that. Um, so he infects uh, Laura Kinney and now has control over her body. Uh, we get back to my compute, my iPad decided to do something stupid. We get back to um, Sync and... Uh, Cyclops in the sewer. They had split up uh, while searching for Dr. Stasis. Uh, Cyclops goes towards where they believe Dr. Stasis is going, and Sink runs into... Uh, what is the name of this man? The the half-tiger guy, whose name I never remember. Um, and he's throwing bodies into a furnace, uh, and then Sink is like, so I guess Dr. Stasis has you getting rid of all the evidence. Um... And then uh, whoever this half-tiger guy is said that, um, forgive me if I don't tuck tail for every mutant pretending to be the Wolverine, which 
really pissed Sink off, like really fucking pissed that nigga off. Um, and so the tiger guy, whose name I always forget, um, charges at Sink. Sink pops out uh, two adamantium claws out of his fists because he had uh, synced to uh, Laura earlier, cuts him in half in one fell swoop, and um, he, he has the most badass fucking statement at the end of this fucking uh, one-panel fight. <laughs> Um, where he says he's the, been Wolverine longer than anyone alive, which is accurate because he was Wolverine in the vault for that long-ass time-displaced period of time, uh, and he was synced up to Laura Kinney. Laura does not remember that time, and uh, Logan, who is the older Wolverine, is not older than they were in, um, is younger than they were in uh, the vault, so he is accurate that he is the Wolverine that's been Wolverine the longest. We go back over to uh, the girls on Game World, and they are using old school radios instead of telepathy. So, like, the girls are down bad. We don't know what the fuck is happening. And they're planning to rendezvous with one another. Uh, Lorna debuts her brand new dress, her bad bitch dress, um, her freakum dress, if you will, uh, to let the girls know that uh, she goes shopping. Okay? Um... But she found out that the workers um, are essentially being held on by enslavement uh, because if they get out of line, Cordyceps will allow wagers on their planets um, to be destroyed. So none of the workers um, uh, are able to leave or uh, do anything um, because there are side dampeners and side alarms. Uh, Jean's telepathy is not very useful here because it'll essentially snitch on their mission. Uh, so Lorna uh, is utilizing her powers uh, to cause casino stripper bots to rain money out um, to the audience in front of them as a security distraction uh, while they go look for Laura Kinney. They realize that people are betting on that people are betting on um, Earth. And so as she comes up to them betting on Earth, um, she threatens the folks at the table to stop doing that and to cut that shit the fuck out. Um, and so instead of using her telepathy, she utilizes uh, her telekinesis and breaks this man's hand. Um, and she says, uh, which finally I want, I fight, I've wanted them to do this for a long time. Um, she says she was Marvel Girl and now she's Jean Grey, eliminating her um, code name that she is now going to go by Jean Grey. Um, and in doing so, she also said she didn't even let the Phoenix command her. So, just friendly reminder, um, even though I'm a Jean Grey hater because, you know, I'm Team Emma Frost, that uh, Jean is one of the baddest bitches out there. She told the Phoenix, Get fucking lost, bitch. And the Phoenix did what? Get lost. And really did get lost because it's now with Echo? Yeah. He wasn't man enough for me. Right, I was like, you were I'm in sorry. the right family. Hello, Tamar moment. Right uh, <laughs> sister. Um, I'm sorry, then, I said Tamar. Um, Tony, whoa, what's wrong Gene with me? Gene recognizes that Cordyceps Jones is somewhere nearby. Um, he calls her Red. So we'll keep that in mind for later. Um, and then he reveals that he has uh, Laura under his control and that um, 
she is now going to be under his control temporarily. Jean is unable to really do anything to Laura other than telekinetically throw her back. Um, and then uh, Cordyceps sprays out some more spores and says that he cannot wait until he gets the former phoenix wrapped around his little finger. Uh, and then Jean... Uh, the last panel that we see is of Jean taking a deep breath while a cloud of um, Cordyceps Jones spores is uh, surrounding her, and he is laughing. We get a letter from uh, a memo, an internal memo, from the Orcus Protocol uh, to the entire Oblivion Institute from Dr. Stasis. Um, he says that it was founded on the coexistence of a lie um, and that... Uh, mutant apologists like the race trader Steve Rogers um, says that mutants have put a natural buffer between millions of refugee mutants and human civilization by moving the Iraqis to the new planet Araco um, or the, the newly terraformed planet Araco um, and that that idea is preposterous and that um, he wants all the race traders this sounds very white supremacist by the way um, to be um, eliminated because they are um, in support of the mutants. Um, and then he wishes them the best. Uh, we get back over to wrap up the final piece of the story here, uh, where Cyclops is, comes across Dr. Stasis, and they face each other um, in the lab. He says, uh, Dr. Stasis says uh, that... No one can mess with his mind as long as he's wearing the mask that he has on. Uh, he pulls out his sword from his cane, and Cyclops reveals himself as Cyclops instead of uh, Captain Krakoa. He takes off the, the, the Captain Krakoa costume. Uh, they fight each other. Cyclops gets uh, the upper hand at a point and is able to uh, take out... Um, Dr. Stasis by firing an optic blast uh, at like arm's length into his face. Uh, and then it's revealed that under Dr. Stasis's mask is sinister. But instead of a red diamond on his forehead, he has a black club mark. And that is the end of the issue. Um, thoughts, comments, critiques, criticisms, rude comments. Start with the root comments as per usual. So tell me why Check Sinister is like the original right. iPhone uh, version. He doesn't have Wi-Fi capabilities to mess at. Okay, there's a lot. Great. For this uh comedy. I don't really have a lot of shady things to say because it was just it was just hitting. Um I was wet the entire time I was reading it. Uh <laughs> fantastic issue. Um I will say I never enjoyed seeing Mojo. Um he just I feel like the joke has now run its course. He's done nothing really terrible lately for him to really be warranted. Now he's just like a joke character. So he I think can... we can start kind of just pushing him. Pushing him somewhere well, different. Hasn't that always been? You hasn't know, that always been Roseanne Barr. I would prefer that they swap Same. him for a spiral at this point. <laughs> I like Mojo. 
or arcade? No, I, I, I like Mo. I like Mo Jokers. Like he represents white, bloodless capitalism, and he also has presented us with the X Babies. So, like, I I'm really here for like what Mojo represents. I am always in in, in a minority about that, but I like Mojo's characterization. Cause he's like literally like he's literally like like everything that's wrong with like white people in entertainment. Secret Wars three started by Mojo, sponsored by Mojo. It's like, it's like he's like he's like he's like the, the, the man behind the machine of entertainment. Like he's like Jake Jeff Bezos of like TV and shit. Like this nigga's problematic as fuck. And all he does is have people come on TV for and like the whole like tiny dancer, not tiny dancer, wind dancer situation with Shatterstar and you know all other nonsense. I like Mojo. I, I get what Mojo represents. I, I get why people think he's kind of like an aged out character. That's kind of like how I feel about Arcade. Like I'm not a fan of Arcade. I just feel like he just is dumb at this point. But I, well, that's I the thing about Arcade though, because then you had the Avengers Arena that happened. And that re-instigated like the topic of um arcade. I think if they had did it with Mojo, it would have been a fundamentally different book because like arcade's representation of his representation of it is he he's a sick person who gets satisfaction from doing this to people, versus Mojo being like, I'm the personification of this concept that really only speaks to artists' interpretation of it. And I think. For them to make Mojo matter in a way that I would care about, they would have to take it to the next step. Because that archetype of what he is, like, we, I saw what he did to Win Dancer. My brain didn't go to, like, oh, this is capitalist musical energy. It went, like, to human trafficking. And, like, what? yeah, this happens to people today. And it's I, have just... a, I have a better idea of who mm-hmm. Mojo may be, and this is going to be really fucked up. Because you have to understand that Mojo was reality TV mm-hmm. before reality mm-hmm. TV. Mm-hmm. And then Mojo's also a Mona Scott Young. Oh, yes, because Mona Scott be treating them bitches <laughs> like shit. Right. I was going to say then, Zeus Network. <laughs> them too. Fair, but that's fair, that's, fair, that's, fair, that's fair also. But I think that we have to understand that like, Mojo, in the context of right Continue now, to look at my ass. makes a lot of sense. Continue to look at my ass. Damn, look at that ass. Yeah, fat as fuck. Damn, stand up again for me one time, Tony. <laughs> um, but Mojo, I feel like he has a place in where we are right now. How terrible reality TV has gotten versus what we got with like the Flavor of Love generation compared to like how manufactured reality TV is now. And Mojo was doing it before the girls were doing it. Uh, once again, the X Men comics are ahead of the curve yeah. again. You're welcome. It's inspiration. You're welcome. Inspiration. America. It's kind of ironic that he's coming, and then and then they squeeze Mojo to the MCU. They can make it make sense that way. I could see them like I could see them doing a lot of things that's like satire with Mojo. Mojo right. will become a satire of every single toxic Marvel fan who makes, especially the YouTubers. The YouTubers who react and all they do is just react and they talk about why a certain thing was fucking terrible until they drive it down to the ground. Like they did with the Star Wars franchise. Or even just talking about generally what they do with the um, the series now. Like any of the mo- any Marvel franchise thing that comes out that they beat because it, it doesn't meet whatever fan theory they had. And 
that had no Deadpool validation movie. to begin with. If you're going to incorporate Deadpool into the into the MCU, go ahead and like lean heavy into mm-hmm. that shit and be mm-hmm. like, let's just make this whole fucking thing campus fuck. Not really give a fuck about uh, breaking the fourth wall. Let everybody break the fucking fourth wall and let it just be a thing. But you know, niggas. But yes, other thoughts about this issue. Um, it, 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 def- it definitely, you know, with Ocean's Eight, with and the they took her out that fuck, um, that ugly ass I'm fucking dress. Uh, I think Marvel's gotten a hint oh, that we're tired of Marvel Girl. Uh, how how did they find out? I'm okay with her. Her Listen, we were discussing Phoenix. names for her because we need to change it. My pitch was um, the Maiden or the Grey Maiden. Yeah, I really think that she. Should, I really think she. Should, I really think for the sake of like prosperity, yeah, I, she needs to reclaim the Phoenix. I think the Phoenix because everybody, everybody doesn't everybody else belong got their to Jean really anymore. It makes sense that, that the Phoenix ran her through a spot. It is her and the Phoenix don't belong together. I think the Phoenix, if it needs to be with anybody, Rachel makes the most sense at this point. But like, there. I feel like as the protector of the Phoenix, like you know how the the Green doesn't have has one avatar; it has lots of agents. I feel like that applies to Gene and the Phoenix. It's like they framed it like a breakup, right? But. Their breakup doesn't feel like it's a thing where their relationship doesn't exist afterwards. Like, that's not an ex. You just go, I don't talk to them. There's no communication. They have a very special place in each other's life. I don't think there's a scenario where you can just go, the gene is so irreparably separated from the Phoenix Force that she can't go by the Phoenix. Right. Yeah. Well, I the because if anybody needs to be holding that, it's not going to be Jane. It definitely needs to be Rachel. Because Rachel was the only other person yeah. outside of Jean Grey that I felt like had a really good grasping and like uh, uh, I don't maybe understanding is kind of like she's the the literal it, perfect host. Like it seems like she had more of like an understanding. She had better control. Like she she knew how to utilize this force. Yeah. So as much as the Phoenix Force is attached to Jean, like that's its most powerful host, I would say that Rachel is one that had better control because Rachel never, like, Rachel was never, like, susceptible to, like, all these different emotions and shit like Jean was with the Phoenix. I would say she's not the avatar. She's the champion of the Phoenix. And it would make more sense if it did go to her daughter, and that's why. It would make clear sense why she would champion it. Um, I think the ideals of what the, the Phoenix represents is everything Jean does represent. Even this moment, she was she was tapping some darkness when she snapped Odu's arm like that. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential. The Cordyceps Jones thing, I was looking at it and I, I was just watching it, so you got it fucked up in like three different situations. One, as much as I'm like, he's bragging about the fact that the Cordyceps aren't telepathy and so Gene can't do nothing about it. That means it's still a biological component and touching Rogue is not going to end up going well. No, not at all. Not going to go well. Um, Polaris, electromagnetism, 
fungi is not going to go well. I don't think Laura is actually underneath his control. I think she's just pretending because she said, like, the goal here is to get abducted. That was the plan, was to get abducted. Rocket probably already told it because Cordyceps Jones was introduced in Rocket number four. Yeah, Rocket number four. Uh, Cordyceps Jones was introduced in that comic. He clearly already told her everything. And it's bad. Uh, like, the part that is... Deadpool was immune to it. Otherwise, why else would she send off Laura by herself? One of the smartest beings across the galaxy. Like, he's actually really fucking smart and is an immaculate strategist. Right. So, like, he's going to come in and have, like, a plan. What's the greatest tactician in the galaxy? Yeah. Laura's healing factor, because it's passive, she can't control it. That it didn't immediately. Yeah, the fuck is this? And get rid of it. Like Deadpool's did. Actually, that's the thing. That's the thing. Is it her or Sabretooth has to mentally activate their uh, healing factor? There was a thing. There's one of the Wolverines, someone with a healing factor. All of them. Is it Deadpool? One person with a healing factor akin to Wolverines, they have a caveat to it that they have to mentally activate it, I or they did, and which was like also therefore in reverse, they could turn it off temporarily. Someone has that. I just can't remember who and I'm like opening Marvel Wiki to figure out who was it, but one of them does have that. And that's why I feel like it. I would appreciate if they did have that where she said, Yeah, actually I could turn it off. I just why would I? Because I appreciate what mutants who have constant ability matched the ability to turn it off. Like when uh Cyclops goes, like sometimes he can hold it off his optic blast for like up to two minutes and it won't fire off. Or like oh, Rogue I'll, can turn off her uh her ability. So he has semen of attention. Yeah, basically. So when he finally blasts off, he blasts um, off the lot. I feel Wolverine liked it so much. <laughs> That's hot. You know, it's an edging ability. That's a tough ability. To, that's a tough. It's funny because I've been the master. I feel like that requires a lot more uh, concentration and willpower than a Green Lantern. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, we talk about Omegas all the time, but I always, again, I just want to say, let's give appreciation to the Alphas, the Alpha men out here. You know, Henry's volume is still on. There's a lot going on in the background over there. That's my air conditioning. It's hot in here. It's New York. There's no AC. Mm. I'm sorry. I'll turn my eight. No, you don't have to. You, there's a way for you to turn off the background noise in here as well. I just don't know if you can do it with your phone. I have my background noise off. I'm generous. Oh, I was going to say, because <laughs> not most tops. Like most, like most tops? Yes, actually like most first tops. <laughs> first tops. First tops are appreciative. Um... But yeah, generally this was a good issue. I I'm gonna shut the fuck off. That's an eyeball sinister because he's got the club thing sinister, so he's not meant yes. to be connected to the rest oh. of those. Yeah, we need to discuss that. <laughs> yeah, which is clever. I know exactly why they did that. I don't know if you guys ever wa- uh, watched Star versus the Forces of Evil. 
they do a thing like that where one character star she has these marks on her cheeks that are hearts and her mother has diamonds and they don't say it out loud but there's a thing about that where like the four greatest spellcasters and they did a whole thing with it but you know this had nothing to do with Sinister's history ever. They just implemented it now. This is a new thing. But I I immediately clocked the reference. I immediately knew what the fuck there was going on because the entire staff in charge of fucking these X-Men comics are nerds. This, they had, I was like, I brought up the same thing because I'm like, that's an anime action shot straight from a manga. Literally how they even did the panel. It was an action shot. These niggas are nerds. These niggas are nerds. These niggas are nerds. And so that is clearly a Star versus the Forces of Evil uh, reference that they made work. And now I want to see all four versions of Sinister. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really, really super curious about how he got there. And it was so fucked up because, like, we all agreed that, like, we all should have known it was Sinister. Yeah, like... Surprising yet inevitable. Yeah, because it was like it, it really didn't take me by surprise because I feel like that would have been some shit that he would have did anyway. Because I feel like his next step would be kind of like, okay, he's gonna get on Orcus somehow. He's gonna get affiliated with Orcus somehow. So it's kind of not like. Well, there, well, there's there's a sinister secret or something about him like aligning or something about the future about him aligning in the Chimera process mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Orcus. And him joining the man machine, uh, but doesn't he have that, that moral farm that allows him to reset time every time something fucks up? Um, but yeah, well, I think he is that this is the sinister who was murdered by the original sinister, but the mutant sinister when he popped back up. He was like, actually, I'm the mutant sinister clone, and I say that fuck that nigga. He's a racist, and I don't appreciate him. Um, either that, or he's the the bigotry that sinister expunged from his body. Also, a part of me wants to consider that perhaps, like you know how in like I think it was life ten or life seven. It was like life seven of Myra. So they talk about sinister betraying mutant kind. Part of me wants to consider did Sinister not actually betray mutant kind and was in fact a clone of him that did it. Right. I have so many. I, 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 I'm, I'm really tired of the Just, you know, that take is, him uh, out. Let Beast take his spot on like the council. <sighs> okay, bitch. He's just as awful. <laughs> oh, you really are a problem. Yeah. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he had a good. Mr. Give a spot. Give a spot to Selena. Yeah, Mr. I think Prodigy take the spot. I don't think Beast deserves it. I think Prodigy should yeah, just Mr. take it. So he had a he had a good mm-hmm. run, but now it's just it's like okay, we we need to go ahead and put him in the backyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of it's a little messy. The sinister, and I'm kind of like tired of the Fenris twins and Sebastian. Time to put Lassie just, down. Take them you know, Lassie, she, she had a good run. Drop them in the pit. She was and so let's cute. Be done with them. Oh, definitely them Fenris twins because nigger came out their mouth too many times. They called Black Panther a monkey. Fuck them. I will never forget. Tony Hisakos, you you seared that to my memory. I can never forget it. 
I can never forget. I was reading Black Panther comic and Those are the three popped mutants up or and they called him a monkey. Mutants that Fuck I'm like them. We could just do without them altogether. Yeah. Fuck them. Probably Adrian Frost is another. Yeah. Mm. It's a theme of whites. Oh. So I'm. Who did y'all think it was? I think we pitched a lot of people who we thought Orcus was. A lot of memorable figures. A lot of them being one-time villains. A lot of them being multiple-time villains. Who did y'all? I still wish the thing I guessed, uh, which was that amazing. It was the astonishing X-Men dude, whose name I'm literally trying to remember right now. But he was the one who was like they thought they swore like literally it was the villain was any number of people. And it turns out to be this Japanese oh, scientist who, who suffered from, like, that. mutations caused by the Hiroshima okay. bombings. And, like, he... He's... Yeah, he... I'm, like, looking it up because it's very specific. I, I always wanted them to bring this mutant back. Because he was a orcus, mutant in a human Because his whole thing was the original orchids. He was the original well, mutant just walking with an them. XG and his whole reasoning, like, was person. Kaga... Yeah, and they, that's his jealousy, is that they're good-looking, hyper-intelligent. Because, again, people forget this about being a mutant, but your capacity for everything is heightened as a mutant. Like, baseline, they are, typically, their teenagers are, like, worlds more intelligent than everyone else, not just, like, beast levels. Maybe not towards the levels of extremes of beasts. Beasts, I'm going to say, he took that shit in strides. If he wasn't a mutant, he would have been a genius already. Um, But, like, fucking... Prodigy being hyper-intelligent before the x kicked in. Or, like, Anole being a technological genius. Or, like, Bling being a technological genius. Or, people forget this about Xavier. Xavier designing the danger room. Like, these... Uh, Emma Frost making yeah. a fucking... It wasn't a mutant neutralizing gun. It was a body-swapping cannon, right? They just forget that she did that. Iconic, honestly. And she don't even brag about it. Iconic, iconic. But mutants are geniuses. Typically, they're good-looking. They're very attractive. And also, your peak physical condition is higher. If you were to work out for the Olympics, you'll blow everyone at the Olympics. I thought it was going to be some random-ass new person. I thought it was going to be Kaga. I really wanted it to be Kaga. Who the fuck is this? And then we were left with, who the fuck is this for next time? We're still sort of given that, seeing as how it's an alternate sinister... So I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know. I just wanted so much more, but we should have knew. They dropped hints, because that's the thing. They did drop hints all throughout. Every single time they highlighted how much, you know, they were laughing about this in that fucking um, Slack channel. You know, they were. When they made that reference to like the fact that Sinister really highlights his do- his doctorate, or at least he doesn't have a doctorate. That's the joke: is that Sinister and he has isn't an obsession a doctor, with Cyclops. but this Sinister is a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Sinister wants to fuck yeah, Cyclops. I, I really, he wants to fuck I, I Cyclops. I really feel like it's Which, you know, a uh, sexual attraction at this point. Cyclops is, like um, is a bisexual king. Even when there was king. just one sinister, we gave him his full autonomy in that. He wanted, he wanted to handle. 
We talk about Sabretooth Dick, but I think Cyclops Dick is that nigga probably has because you know he knows he knows his physics, he knows his trigonometry, he can calculate like the trajectory needs to hit something for it to be knocked in out. Every universe, nigga, what? <laughs> and he's a master of psychic combat. So, like, when you consider the all these things together. Mm. Because he's psychic, I'm mm. on the, the people that love him. <laughs> Phoenix probably got. I remember that moment he fought Juggernaut. Bitch, this is what Dick. Oh, this is Dick. God damn. Oh my God, how many orgasms? Uh, <laughs> I just keep thinking about that moment during X Men Evolution where he told uh, Juggernaut to give it to him raw. And he took the uh, visor oh, yeah. off and blasted yeah, the shit out. I remember that episode. <laughs> I was like, pun intended. Sancho. This is a great issue. Sink, um, I will still fuck you. When he reminded them, don't worry about Laura. Don't worry about Laura. Nigga. Uh... They're not. Do you think. Do you think that he might get in trouble with the council? Because we don't know if Chimeras are humans. <laughs> All right, so good. Good. But I, I, this book needs some minor drama, just a little bit. Just a tiny bit. I wouldn't mind to see him, like, stand before the council. They're going to, like, basically, like, you know, slap on the wrist. But, like, basically, I feel like the ramifications of the cloning thing should be discussed. Um, yeah, just you know, or not. I think we can fast forward through this arc. I think this arc is, like how, might need to come to uh, end in an issue or two. Jerry Duggan or Duggan, how do you say his last name? Um, is writing this very while it's episodic, the story still connects overall. That there's not like a it's it's an homage, I guess, to the episodic stories that like we used to get. Um, that. Uh, Chris Claremont used to do actually. Um, yes, mm-hmm. and I, I, I enjoy it. It's giving it Wolverine is. and the X Men. In terms of my mm-hmm. immediate memory, I love it. All right, but any other observations? No, I didn't have any. Okay, so we get to the very itty-bitty comic, you know, for our annual free comic book day, which is the precursor to Judgment Day, of the accident. Um, we open with a bunch of splashes overall, just showing the, the introducing the characters we'll be dealing with. Um, we get introduced to the Eternals, uh, the protectors who maintain the Earth in the status quo, um, and how the Earth is kind of the machine and is like the most important thing because there's so many powerful fucking people who live here, both people who were inserted, like the Eternals, who were basically the intended protectors of the machine, and then the people who follow a certain ideal, like the Avengers, who came second, but service it in a very particular way that feels like it's the the people of the Earth coming together in response to doing things that the Eternals would never have conceived of doing it in a way that has never occurred to them to do it like. And then the X-Men, who exists sort of in response to all the 
absences. So it's like very much showing a sequence of events, like how one thing introduced another thing, introduced another thing. Like the Avengers came after the Eternals, even the 10,000 BC Avengers, but they came after the Eternals fundamentally failed and went to war and could not decide what was important enough for them to care about because they were flawed. And the mutants coming because the Avengers literally could not and did not do anything about the mutants and like protecting the concerns of it. And I think this comic really does a good job of showing just how the Avengers can fall short with the next page. You go a few million years ago, um, just around the time Odin started 10,000 BC's uh, Avenger group, um, where we're sitting with Druig and the then, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Uranus. Uranus and uh, Druid discussing with Odin just before he started the Avengers with how they found a breed of monkey on Earth with the power of telepathy and psionic gifts that they mutated and they formed the hive mind. And Uranus is just telling Odin that they're going to kill them and annihilate and genocide the entire species. And not that they are asking for permission from Odin, but telling him what they're going to do and make sure he's just aware of why they did it. Um specifically because they're like they're dangerous mutations are un- left unchecked will cause damage to the world cause damage to our mission and plus we just don't fuck with them because they are the thing we should hate and because we're designed to hate them we will do nothing other than that and annihilate them um and odin is like i don't see why i should give you not give you permission to do this or just say no because uh, it's not impacting us, it's not impacting the people who look up to us, it's not impacting anything on a larger scale, so why should the Avengers really care? And Aronos is going, I'm not sure why you thought I was asking for permission at all. Um, and then Aronos murders all of them, Odin does nothing. In fact, basically, this only situation, he makes a big grandstanding of going like, hey, but just so you know, if you ever step out of line, then we'll do something, while he's actively about to genocide the entire species that he is seeing as, quote-unquote, not his business. Um, And while they do that, he shares drink with them. And they have mead woven from the molecules of the dead people, the dying monkeys. And all Odin is concerned of is how it doesn't taste that good. Um, And it's a really dark scene, specifically because how it kind of hallmarks the major issues with the Avengers like no one stood up to stop this situation because the Avengers were preoccupied with it and they didn't have a reason to have to do it. And the Eternals really just only going off instinct and what they think the natural law should be rather than like what is right on a deep personal level. Um, so then we go to a time skip straight to the moment a mutated um, deviant uh, starts attacking a city the Avengers go up to battle it, and they're having a hard time. They really can't take it down because, for some reason, it's developing abilities and operating on a level of a like cosmic strength that they're just not used to. And in swoops Icarus and Cersei, who take it down in, like, half a second. And they highlight how they're basically biologically built to do this, how they had no control over their response to it, and kind of highlights the weakness of the Eternals, which is when something... Uh, when a deviant mutates and there's excess deviation in a thing, they have no choice but to follow their instincts and murder it. Um, and so they thank them. They have a bit of fun. Cersei kind of looks kind of worried about this thing, which is the excess deviation flaw. And, like, it's just really concerned that they can't, as Eternals, break their nature. 
Um, and it kind of is important that Cersei's saying this because in the comics, Cersei is going through moments where she's doing like very Machiavellian things to prevent the Eternals main group from stepping out of bounds too much because she's concerned with how far they're able to go outside their instincts before they eventually basically bungee jump back. And it's really specific and important that it's her because she is the person who went through that disease that Athena had in the movie that's actually part of the comics. She went through it and it did something to her her to have her memories removed. But she's the most concerned with like the flaws in eternal biology, basically, and what happens if you push too hard against it. Uh, from there, we go to Krakoa and we talk about how mutants have discovered basically um, resurrection. And we're specifically seeing the resurrection of Cyclops after the first time, after the second time he died on the mission. And Emma Frost did agree him. What they do not notice is the Jack of, Ni- of Jack of Knives, who is an eternal assassin who specializes in going undetected and puts all her psychic, molecular, and reality-based abilities into being undetectable. And conveniently, it showcases how none of Krakoa's defenses, from the telepaths all the way down to Krakoa itself, knows that she's there and can detect her. So it showcases that the Eternals, in many ways, are able to overcome whatever Krakoa has. Um, Druig is given the information that the Jack collected and they were paid to collect, and we zoom in on Druig within uh, Zorus's kingdom while Zorus is actively dead. And they say that they were collecting samples to prove that, A, the Eternals are not the only immortals on the planet, B, that the mutants have become immortal and therefore have stepped outside of the bounds and have now become what they suspect is excess deviation, and C, whether or not they can qualify mutants as deviants so they can step in and kill them all. To which Druig says, it doesn't matter if they are, and they say if they are, it's nothing they haven't done before genociding the entire people. And on the board, you see the Hex, who is the most mysterious of the Eternals. They have not been revealed to what they do or how they serve the Eternal population. They have just been said, like, they do not condone themselves with the community. They're kind of the um, the, sort, the table of night from Morocco. You don't know what they do. No one knows what they do. And they're supposed to be secret in how they conduct themselves. With that, it ends. And we get just one more snapshot, sort of, of um, our main girl, Mary Jane, getting ready and speaking on the news in defense of Krakoan pharmacology and, like, Krakoan concerns and mutants across the board. And then Myra.exe taking her out and stealing her uh, invitation for the Hellfire Gala? Um, I think it's... Thoughts, concerns, accusations, violent displays of anti-eternal rhetoric. Until Krakoa happened, where their issue is that not that they have... Not that they're mutants, that they're mutants that are working together. So they took out that hive mind of think monkeys or whatever the fuck they were called. Um, because their powers worked in concert when they realized that the mutants on Krakoa conquered death by using multiple mutant powers together, then they were like, ah, yeah, that's deviation. That's too much. 
That's too much matchy matchy. We don't need that. Y'all gotta stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The blacks are talking, having secret meetings. Take them out. Um, no, definitely. There is because the Unimind is a sacred thing to them, but the secret of the Unimind that has been consistent is a really ter- is a really awfully kept secret is that not only Eternals have access to the Unimind. Like other people can join into the Unimind, actually. Like it's a whole thing. The Avengers form a Unimind before. And so it seems to be that they're trying to protect their position as the darling child of the Celestials. Because I keep remembering when old girl uh, found out that Celestials might not appreciate the Eternals anymore and have abandoned them, and she lost her fucking mind. Um, yeah. So it's it's really just important to remember that apart from Ajax, Mm -hmm. Ajax, Mm. yeah, Mm. Ajax lost Mm. her fucking mind twice. Uh, The idea being replaced. Kieran Gillen's run on the that's the main thing about like their biology is that they just lose their fucking minds. The race that is in power has a fear of being replaced, and so they murder the minorities. Hmm. Just, you know, pointing out the literal metaphor there. Yep. Lots, lots of similarities. So many. So many. But it's really apt that they chose Ajax as centering this. And, like, this entire schism, there's so many different factions going on. Like, um, Henry might not know anything about this because Henry does not want to read the Eternals, but basically, Druid represents a faction that does that specifically hates mutants. That nigga hates mutants. <laughs> there is no if, ands, or buts about it. Like the, I feel like it was two runs ago. Um, you see, like our homegirl, where the X Men show up, and the first thing out of Druid's mind is start calling them slurs. Druig does not like mutants. <laughs> um, in fact, his dick is hardest when he thinks about being able to kill mutants. In fact, he was the czar of Russia, also the like high military commander in Russia, as who currently hates mutants. We think so, Thanos is. Um, Uranus is worse. Uranus looked at Thanos and said, baby, you have commitment issues. Only half the universe? <laughs> he said, if I was doing it, it would have been everybody. So the fact that Uranus Honestly, now, I have followed through. Um, no, that when I do something, I do it. Um, the fact that he was the fact that he was free at some point and them now telling you that yeah, he's, he's still in the cage or he's been in prison for all this damn time because he is that bad, and they let Thanos freely walk around? Nigga. Nope. And really, they came to him, thought he'd be in distress, thought he'd be going insane, because he'd been locked up for 100,000 years, and he said, I took a nap. And he said, I took a nap. Honestly, I'm enjoying myself. You guys are weird and dumb. Um, Just creating worlds in his head, and you know how every Eternal has a specialization? Uranus' specialization is genocide. 
mass executions is where his powers lean towards. So the big thing he did was that he came across um, a, a city of fucking deviants and just on a whim murdered all of them. And was just like, I can do it first and, ask, and uh, say sorry later. Or just not say sorry at all and just tell everyone they should just do it too. Euronos is fucking psychotic. And so that scene, it just highlighted the main points of contention, I think, as X-Men fans. It was a really good moment to bridge that gap between, like, the truth of Marvel, which is we all don't read the same comics. And, like, the people who like X-Men comics typically don't like the Avengers. All our Avengers readers typically don't like the X-Men comics, if I'm being 110%. And then the Eternals sit in this weird limbo place in which the Eternals are a fusion of the Avengers and the X-Men in terms of how they move. Like, there's so many situations you read it and you go, they're more of a family than the Avengers are, but at the same time, they will kill each other. It's giving Justice League. It's giving Justice League. They fight to kill well, not, every single well, time. Well, not like... Maybe not exactly, but you can kind of see the similarities. It's it's interesting. I think that we're looking forward to a really good issue. I'm happy they did this to showcase the stakes of what's going on here. Um, and it was really scary seeing the Jack of Knives just creeping into the most secure place, the most important place among the five, um, and just sit there and watch them as they were the most vulnerable. It's going to be a bad time. But I think that's why we're also leading into Sync. I don't think we're going to get an Omega classification for Sync. Because I feel like Sync and the accident is the major component. Because he's the he was listed as like the um, contingency if the circuit if the five ever vanished. Is you call you it Sync and Sync comes handling because he can do all five of the works like by himself. Dumb. He could, I think he could. I just think he never like want to introduce that, but I think that's the factor that they were going to ask is can Sink turn himself into a greater Omega level mutant than the Omega level mutant whose power is like the mirror of his? I don't know. There's a lot of mystery surrounding uh, Sink's abilities. And I think this is the time that they need to take to reveal it. I think that's the whole arc in itself is that this is the hard thing he can't really do. Because also Hope's power is sentient. It's not like a thing by itself. It has a will. It does things on its own. I don't know, but um, that's all that really happened in this issue. Um, a lot of racism um, and Druid being a snake and a jack of knives who goes by they, them pronouns. Um, just being eerie as fuck. I'm not sure y'all ever speculate what the fuck the Hex is. I always felt that the Hex might have been the externals. But I'm not sure. This is the That'd first time. I don't know if you guys even saw that on the wall, the but they were thinking that the Hex is about to come up. The original mutants who couldn't, who had conquered death even by accident.
know, I think we'll see. I think this is all going that to end with the resurrection Just, of an eternal as a unit. Um, let it be Fastos or Cersei. Don't let it be nobody else. Fastos or Cersei. It might not be Cersei because she was an Avenger. And won't be Gilgamesh because he was also an Avenger. I feel like so whoever's, I feel like the or... one person who's probably the most anti-mutant on that team yeah, is Gilgamesh. Ugh, yeah. Um, it probably be, but the right. Um, the Eternal Prime is still Thanos. Fastos can't do it. He's the forge of their team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will leave the end this with a quote. Mutant supremacy is not assured. Fears can be stoked in the hearts of man and differences can be exploited. <laughs> it's so funny. I just will also point this out that they have so many moments and hints to things happening in this issue, like literally the antithesis of every single goddamn um, member of the Avengers, like basically Tony Stark being sliced through by Wolverine, um, Cyclops getting his head bashed in by Thor, Magneto crushing uh, Captain America's shield around his head and murdering him by decapitation with his own shield, which is the poetic imagery of that shit is just fantastic. And Carol Danvers like, wait, that's not snapping the neck of Rogue. <laughs> Rogue has absorbed Wonder Man, who's stronger than Carol Danvers is. It's just funny because she's in the exact positioning that Rogue was in when she sold her powers. <laughs> I, th- I would have appreciated it if they actually do try to homage that. I want to see Carol Dammers, rather than snapping her life out, using her absorption powers to literally steal the life force from her. I feel like Carol can do it. I think she just needs to put her heart where it, like put her heart into it. Stop the heat from her body, even. Do something terrible. You're going to do, do it. Go into the circuit party. But that's all I got. The circuit party. Circuit party. Circuit party. It's now time for the circuit party. Circuit party. Yes, circuit yes. party. It's now it's time, time for the circuit party. Bitch, I said quiet storm. This is the total opposite of quiet storm. Got me all wet and shit. Okay. So Everyone on staff has seen uh, Multiverse of Madness now. For our listeners, if you have not seen Multiverse of Madness, because we take spoilers very seriously, please just check out. Come back and come back again later. Um, it's been a week. Typically, by extreme Marvel nerd fans' time, this is a year later, um, and you probably have been spoiled fifteen thousand times. If you haven't gone see it now. You really weren't showing your shit. Um, I would renegotiate your priorities in being a Marvel fan. Um, but we will still warn you that this, the spoilers are coming forward. We will not stop to say spoiler. We will not pause to say spoiler. This is your one and only shot. This week's Circuit Party, we will be discussing the manifestation 
of the X-Men, the X-Daddy, um, Wills McGee, Professor Charles Xavier, who was featured in Multiverse of Madness. Um, some might say infamously, some might say famously, but now mm-hmm. we have confirmation mm-hmm. of the first mm-hmm. ever X-Men character in the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So now we know they're coming, they're on their way, and now we can discuss what do we think the future so of the X-Men is based um, off we of the uh, presentation Xavier. we've received so far. Um, in... <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. We in got the psychic wave um, animation. Never been never been again. <laughs> in that wheelchair. Yeah. And a damn and a black um, turtleneck, quote unquote. You know, the black turtleneck is important in the picture. It was more like a, a children's high chair with an adult set in it. That's what we got. Wanda killed him. So fucking. You're just awesome. being. You're just being mean right now. Showtime. I mean, yeah, but isn't that what she deserved? I was, I, I have major disagreements with that, but, um, well, mostly because everyone has pointed out, mostly everyone has pointed out, like, how quickly um, Wanda killed Charles Xavier. I'm like this. Charles Xavier has never won a fight against an unhinged ter- uh, female telepath. He has never beat any of the girls when they're literally losing their goddamn minds. Um... Like legit, Jean Grey, guys asked me about her. Emma Frost, when she was on her cocaine binge, lost his fight to her. Cassandra Noah uh, fucked him up. Um, who else? He just never wins against an unhinged telepath. Um, he's beat the Shadow King, but I want to say that's like his last great feat, other than like holding off the Dark Phoenix with a sticking over um, Cyclops. Charles is, while he is an immaculate, and even then he lost telepath, to the Shadow King almost every fight afterwards. He is not listed as an Omega level telepath. Emma Frost can be, beat him. Betsy probably can on a good day. Uh, then there's all of the Omega level telepaths outside of that. The ones they count and don't count. Like, come on now. I mean, it's a very open-ended power, you know? They did like, that. I feel like you can have... Like you can't... I've seen it. I've read entire comics where everyone in the book can be a telepath, but each person yeah, does a different thing. Betsy, yeah, like when they did Monet, it for Volume 4, it was the Volume Rachel, from X-Men. They had four fucking telepaths on the team. Who's the fourth one? Four telepaths on the team. I think that's it officially. <laughs> Technically, you can count um, Shadowcat as a telepath because she can read minds. She just doesn't do that. She did. It's a trick. It's not really her being fully telepathic. She does a thing where she can phase her hand, and like literally, they took this and put it into um, they put it into Buzz Lightyear animated series where she phases her hand into someone's head and connects to the nervous system of it. 
and then she reads your thoughts while she's inhabiting, like literally phasing through you. They haven't done it in years. Like it was like a once-off shit that she did. It's like when fucking Nico uses a spell with her staff, and then you just never see her do anything of that sort again. Once off little manifestations of the ability. But yeah, those are the big three. And each of them got different ranges on what the fuck they do. Monet's telepathy, short range, but she can read you like a fucking book, as a bully could, as a queen bee would and should. Um, the highest range on a telepath in the group, Rachel. Rachel can get to you across the planet, probably. Uh, but is she very skilled when she has one person in front of her? No. She's not used to working on one person at a time. That's not what she does. It's not what she does. And and uh, Betsy is more of an aggressive telepath. She does attack shit. She does, I need to kill you, and that's what I'm going to do my telepathy. Mm-hmm. She's also good for a good little psychic vision every once in a while. And a little telekinetic push. She's good for that, too. So, no, she likes she likes being forceful. She like if you need her to do something that involves not having any tact <laughs> whatsoever. That's her. She wants someone to go to your head at the and you never, and never know they're there. Never know who's there. Discreet queen. Discreet. Very pleasant. And she goes and she goes for very specific things. Um, Xavier is more of a telecommunications guy. He runs the comms. I think he has exhibited the highest um, telepathic range actually, of everyone in the Marvel Universe. Other telepath who has Showtime. the same range, but not necessarily the same level of skill as Professor Xavier. That one telepath is actually a black telepath. Shola Inkos, say Inkose. I'm gonna assume that's how you say his last name. He's an omnipath, just like Charles is, so he can read everybody on the planet's mind at the same time. That his it that's that's his default power is that he can read everyone's mind. He just has to focus. Ah. So huge range. I would say I was going more for in terms of like the the peak of where you can reach. I think, yeah, that would technically qualify as being him because he can't do that with multiple minds. Like if you expect me to think like, yeah, Charles Xavier can touch every mind on the planet. No. Can he touch a mind that's past the moon? Very likely. That's impressive. That's an impressive feat. Um, if you have to do it with a group of people, kind of struggling kind of struggling. That's why he's the best candidate for the satellites. And really he, good, and smooth his, brain. Uh, lot, has not very smooth, very ingrained. A lot of grooves like it can all of his brain. It's really useful. Wider. Um, but in terms... The Shadow King, he does possessions. He does... Like, he does really well with, like, changing your personality. That's useful. That's a good skill. It's an empath one. As an empath skill, maybe that's why he lost that fight, is that he's not much of a natural telepath. He's more of an empath. It's like he's not specializing in fighting. That's why he's not out there in the streets, because real talk, him being in a wheelchair is not enough of a reason for him not to be on the field. 
I mean, shit, but you would figure that, like, I mean, he's a war man. And I mean, he's also a telekinetic in the, the end of the day. You know, telepathic skills or whatever. If he really wanted to get... It didn't stop Oracle. Yeah, because, I mean, he's exhibit... Not that impressively. I'm going to be fair. The telepathic explosion he he, he showcased when he fought um, Nimrod. Nimrod, that was the peak that he's ever shown. He's never done shit like that before. But I mean, otherwise he would be useless in a fucking hand, ever. hand-to-hand fight ever, against ever. robots. You know, so good for Who him. Who a telepath to fight the robots? Mm, no. Yeah, but like, isn't that every other mutant who he sends out to Prodigy would do better? Prodigy basically has his ability, <laughs> but a more limited scope and just the added power of leg mobility. Like, that is not, to me, you can have a laser gun. You can have a laser gun. Um, WizKid does better. WizKid is also in the wheelchair. Just so happens that he's also a technopath and a um, inorganic material psychokinetic. Charles Xavier is a telepath. Who thought that one through? I just... I just... Hmm? I just realized WizKid and Selene, Selene Loki have oh. the same power. Mm-hmm. They both have inorganic um, psychokinesis. Except Celine doesn't do it to build things. She does it just to fuck with things in a witchy way. Uh, and Wizkid has the intelligence to take things and build things with it. And he's also more limited. He's a technopath, mm. not a um, telepath. They'll commit war crimes together. Maybe they should they hang out. I think, be, I think they'd be good friends. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't she iconic? But no, I I excuse her him losing that fight because also in the MCU he's not listed with his telekinesis. He's just a telepath. In fact, he's the telepath everyone thinks of. In terms of characters who are iconic for a power, you ask people who's a hero that can manipulate weather. You go Storm. You go who's a hero that can manipulate ice. You go Iceman. Who's a hero that can have fire powers? They'll go Human Torch, Stretching, Mister Fantastic. Invisibility, invisible know, woman, um, telepathy. Of the members of Charles Xavier, the Illuminati that they have in the fucking movie, Mister Fantastic was not going to be able to do a goddamn thing against Wanda. Um, even though I love um the actress whose name is escaping oh. me right now, who played uh Maria Rambeau as Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel's weakness it's like magic is like kryptonite to her she can't do shit with it she could absorb all kinds of energy but magic is the one thing that will take her ass down what what are you doing i will and yet they use the statue but but i will have to say though for her, she, she actually held her own a lot better than the rest of the Illuminati. Took her ass right on out. The rest, the rest of the Illuminati just... I can do this all day. 
Yeah, and then exactly. Strange and Mordo were fighting, and they. I fell guess a day lasts like it's approximately then twenty seconds. Doctor Strange just jumped out of <laughs> and left Mordo there standing. What? The nigga with the yeah, bouncing boots like, couldn't get out there. Is that the whole thing? Is that you have magic and, like, boots unless you bounce really high? Anything? Girl, he gave up. He gave up. He was not. He should. He did not. They could have kept the fight. They could have just kept it. Instead of having, like, oh, he outsmarted him. Just they could have really just go like, hey, actually, I've decided to not be like the other version of you, a um, inconsiderate dickhead who doesn't listen to anyone, and I'm just gonna let you go because I'm gonna have faith in you that you can do this and that you're not a bad person. And I don't want to be the version of me that's quote unquote snapped. Honestly, I feel like that was racially charged. Um, Strange, he didn't snap. In fact, he had a very good reasoning for why he was doing everything like that. In fact, I truthfully don't disagree with him. There shouldn't just be random motherfuckers running around with magic who are so selfish that they could not contribute to the protection of Earthworld when they were, like, asked of it. Like, old dude who said, I learned magic and I fixed my legs and now I'm just going to go play basketball all day. When he was trained in the mystic arts, literally to help in any way. In any way, bro, you could do anything. You can sew costumes. You could um, this week, this do week the dishes. You can mop. Next week, it's the fries. You know, people underestimate the power and effectiveness of a good mopper. You think it could be the fries. You could be a cook. You get you get to be the prize. Listen, you don't have to. Not everyone. You don't have to be on the front lines, bro. You didn't have to be out there with Thanos, uh, making the force fields, baby. And that's all I'm saying. But I think my number one gripe with the future of the X Men is that it introduced the idea that the X Men would not run the fuck up on one. Yeah, see, but um, um, in that entire fight, Wanda, I felt like um, it was a good moment to call in the X Men. Uh, remember that she is the great pretender. And I need her to just remain the great pretender because that's what she always will be. Because she is. I agree. A pretender. Yeah, I hate in my heart. This she is. She, yeah, she's interest. She's an interesting character. I, I, I like. But, um, I like she's still the great pretender. I love to hate her. Um. She, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know if Sam Raimi understood how the dark world works enough for them to really bring out um, the direction of where Wanda should go. I don't like enjoy that they made this a personality flaw situation and not like the book being like literally cracked in the 80s and twisting her, her very nature to feeding the addiction mm-hmm. that is bringing Chathon into existence. One blasphemy spell at a time. Isn't that distinctly how the dark hole works? It's like it literally has a spell for damn near everything in it, but every single spell in that book tweaks the world just an extra bit so that he can do or activate whatever he needs to activate. It warps you into a host temporarily for his intentions, and or it weakens the foundations of the universe, and or 
it mm-hmm. slowly um, does things to get the book into the hands of the Scarlet Witch. Just that. But yeah, I um, any last observations really about the X Men and the MCU? That is like the one thing no. that I want them to do. Have them come in, establish this Krakoa. I don't want them to come in and do origin stories for the O five and do all. Isn't that, that shit we discuss? We're good. We don't. We casual fans of the MCU can figure out. Yeah, yes, you can do that, but like you don't have to do. Maybe you don't flashbacks have to do, like, every once in a while. The first movie is the origin of the X Men. Cut that out. You didn't do that with Spider Man. Have a either. portrait on the Let wall. We all understand who the X Men are. Move on. Yeah, yeah. Have him be disillusioned if you want. Of like, maybe post um, when him master post him master Cyclops era. So yeah, the Krakoa era where they go, you know, Cyclops, Xavier said a lot of shit. <laughs> he said a lot of things. All right, and not all of them are applicable. Um, I think the theory I was going for, what I'm still going for actively, is the X Men have always existed. They just did the thing that Emma Frost did at the end of Uncanny X Men, where she wiped everyone's memories of the, the X Men and mutants existing. And so they're just a secret society mm-hmm. in plain sight. People but can't see mutants unless you still actively remember them, and then you can see mutants. All right, so it needs to be. I think starting right there allows them to do they a lot more. You can easily make the Utopia era stories happen. They definitely need to come in because yep. they, it seems like people are talking about secret wars, so they definitely need to be a part of that. And plus, it allows them to have situations the Avengers can't get involved in. And it will make the, the Avengers less culpable in what happens. Uh, All right. Every so thing is coming out next what's week. What's happening like, for next week? What comics are we looking forward to? Next week we have New Mutants twenty five, X Men Red number two that we're all excited for. Immortal X Men number two that we're all excited for. Um, Wolverine twenty one, X Force twenty eight, um, and then we have another Voices book um, coming out as well. Um, no, it's uh, the Asian one. Is it Pride? Hopefully. Oh, okay. Excellent. Hopefully, have a Quantum story in there. Um, hopefully, all of those uh, are we'll see. <laughs> but how many books do you, you think is actually gonna make it to print? All of them gonna make it to print this week. X Men Red, one and a half. We s- the, no, no, Mar- no, Marvel shit. We we gonna get some pushbacks. Oh, child, it's I don't need some pushbacks. Are we? Is next week Strange Academy? I feel like yes, I've been waiting for Strange Academy to come and back. Fucking annoying, and I couldn't do it anymore. You stopped reading Strange Academy. When's the last? Wrap it up, already. girl. Wrap it you up know, it's thing. about to wrap up. They have, last, they have one more issue before semester two. Mm-hmm. It's like they just left the school. All right. Um, well, thank you guys for stopping by. Thank you for being a family. Yeah. And thank and you for putting news in our DMs. You haven't. Not, 
you know, open invitation. Not the individual um, accounts. Thank you. You can send it to the Helicopter Radio. That is a married woman. Um, I believe just X Henry uh, receives nudes freely. Um, Black word, and that's spelled black like uh, the girl group with a Q-U-E and not a C-K. Um, and also Showtime Rx. We all very welcome nudes of all kinds. Just make sure that they are well lotioned. Um, and that you are a uh, black person. Okay? Black. I don't want your... Um, I'm not black, I'm mixed. I'm not black, I'm OJ nudes. We don't want those. We want black. And we are all... Um, well, me and Henry are gay. And um, Stephen is, uh, is bisexual. So keep that in mind. When uh, you send us nudes, um, booty who? Yeah. So you know, and men are men, and women are women. So keep that in mind as well. We mean that right. inclusively. Away from me. All right. Bye. Away from me, my ex-man. Take care. Bye.